Grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43 and we're going to read verses. You know what? Let's read verse, um, I was going to do 5 through 7. Let's do, let's do verse 1 through 7. Isaiah 43 verse 1 through 7. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you ain't there, say hold on. All right. All right. Here we go. But now, thus says the Lord who created you. I'm just going to stop right there because I'm talking to you right now. But now, thus says the Lord who created you. And he who formed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, don't keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created, what? Whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him, yes, I have made him. You may be seated this morning. This morning I come to you with the topic of restoring the purpose that God created us for. Why are we here? Why do we even exist? I mean, we have an almighty God that is all sufficient in himself that needs absolutely nothing, correct? But for some reason, we exist. For some reason, he says, I created you. For some reason, I formed you. I called you by name. For some reason, he loved you. For some reason, no matter where you go through or no matter what you end up in, he says, don't you be afraid. If you go through the river, it ain't going to overtake you. If you go through the fire, it is not going to burn you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how many of you remember that story? You know, when they went into the fiery furnace for, um, for not bowing down to the false god, they said, we're going to serve our god. We're not going to bow down to your god. They walked into a fiery furnace being sent in there, and they walked in there bound. And when they came out, the Bible tells us that they had no smell of smoke on them. No hair had been, had been singed, but they came out, and the only thing that was missing was the thing that had them bound when they went in. The fire did not burn them. The only thing the fire burned was the things that kept them bound. The things that kept them from being everything that God meant for them to be. That's the only thing that they lost when they went through the fire. And God makes you the same promise day. He said, listen, I've created you for a purpose. But somewhere along the line, as I've told you many times before, we lost sight of that purpose. We fell short of the purpose that God created us for. 
I ask you to bear with me this morning because some of this stuff you've heard before, but I believe this is an important reminder to all Christians this morning. It's going to get pretty serious in here. It's going to, we're going to address some things that really make us look at exactly how we are serving the purpose that God created us for. So I ask the question, why were we created? The answer you found in verse 7 of Isaiah 43. He said, whom I have created for what? Here's why you're here. Your sole purpose. The reason you exist is for the glory of God. That's it. There is no other underlying issue. There is, no, there is no greater thing for you to see. The only thing you need to understand is your sole purpose in life is for the glory of God, nothing else. Now, somebody would ask me this morning, does that not make God selfish? Well, I'll answer that question here in just a little bit. Let's look back at Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 through 31 as I try to make a futile effort as far as I'm concerned to explain why we were created for God's glory and what that means. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 through 31. Let's pray again please. Father I come to you and I, I ask you for your guidance this morning. Lord there's no way that I can <laughs> explain what you do and why you do it without you explaining it God Lord you are too complex you are too deep your knowledge is too vast for me to even begin to act like I can comprehend any of it but Father I know through the guidance of your spirit that you can open these scriptures to us this morning and you can show us in part not in, not in full but you can show us in part and you can help me prophesy in part this morning of exactly what you want us to see in your purpose for creating us. And God, I pray that you would help us to do this this morning. Holy Spirit, I ask you to help with that. And I'm going to trust you and I'm just going to walk after you, God. And I know that we cannot fail if we do that. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 27. Let's look at what this says. It says, so God created man in what? His own image. He said, when I created man, I was spirit. God is not flesh like me and you. God is spirit. God is what some people refer to as ghost. That's why they call him the Holy Ghost. He is not something that, that is able to physically be seen except through the acts that he does. That's it. But his person, his bodily form is unable to be seen. It is spirit. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He wanted to create an image of all of His glory. He wanted to create an image of all of His character, all of His attributes. He wanted to see a physical picture of everything that He was in spirit. So He says, I'm going to create man in our own image. I'm going to make him look like physically everything that I am spiritually. So he creates, God, he creates man in the image of God. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The first thing you need to realize this morning is your beginning purpose, before we fell short of this thing, your beginning purpose was to be the image of the fullness of the glory of God. All of his acts of mercy, kindness, love, everything that he is, he instilled in us. And that is what he created us to be. 
He made us not only to, to just be his image, but look what he done in verse 28. Then God blessed them. Look how he blessed them. He blessed them and then he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. All right. He says, And God said, See, I have given who? You. Every herb that yields seed which is on the face of all the earth and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. I want you to think about what God is saying right here. Picture this in your head. He says, first off, I created you in my image. You were to be a mirror that reflected everything that I am so with, that when the world looked at you, who did they see? They saw God. You were supposed to reflect everything that I am, all my acts of mercy, all my acts of love, all my acts of kindness. You were to reflect those things. And then he said, I blessed you. In other words, I gave you grace. Now think about this. Even when Adam and Eve were first created, had they done anything to deserve any gift that God had to give? No. Everything that he gave them, all of creation, he said, I put you dominion over all of it. He said, I give it into your hand. I bless you with all of my grace. So God has a twofold purpose here. I want you to think about what he's doing. First off, he says, I'm going to bless you and give you all of my grace. And then I expect you to take all of this grace, all of this blessing that I give you because it's undeserved. It is the undeserved goodness of God. And you take this grace and this blessing and then you use it to be fruitful and multiply. God's purpose in the beginning was for mankind to use what God had given him by grace and to be fruitful and multiply his image of his glory throughout all the world until the whole world was filled with his glory. Can you see that this morning? You had a twofold purpose. Enjoy the grace of God. He said, Look, I've given it to you. All of this that you see, it's in your dominion. You are ruler over it. You do with it as you please. The only thing that I am asking you to do is enjoy the grace and blessing that I've given you and at the same time use it not for your glory, not for your purpose, not for your life, not to secure yourself, not for you to rely on. I didn't put this tree here so that you felt like this tree was what you relied on to give you food. I put the tree there for you could rely on me to put fruit on the tree where you could have food. He said, I need you to completely rely and trust in me with everything that you are. Then take all of the blessing that I have given you and then you in turn be fruitful with it and multiply my image throughout all of the world. But then somewhere along the line, we fell short of that. Adam decided that, Adam and Eve decided that it would be best that if they had their own knowledge of good and evil, God, we don't need your knowledge of good and evil anymore. We can decide for ourselves what is good and evil. So we're going to eat from the tree that you said don't eat from. And because of that, they quit relying on God. 
And because they quit relying on God and decided to depend on themselves, are y'all following me? They fell short of what he expected them to do. In essence, here's what happened. They decided they would take the possessions that God had given them, the grace and all of the blessing of God, and they would use it to rely on to build them up. They would use it for their desires, for their glory, for their satisfaction. And because of that, things got flipped upside down. It was not the way that God intended for it to be. So we fell short of everything that he meant for us. I want to look at Genesis chapter 11, and I want to show you exactly where, how far this thing got. We got so backwards that in Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 5, I want to show you what we did. Now God meant for us all to be in one accord, right? He meant for the family to be one unit. He meant for all the world as we multiply His image. He meant for all of us to excel in everything we've done. He meant for us to grow these possessions. He meant for us to become fruitful. He meant for these things, but He meant for them for us to do it for His glory, not for our glory. Are you with me? Look what happened in Genesis chapter 11. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. Now is that a bad thing? No. In itself, this is not a bad thing as long as it's being directed to multiply God's glory, right? But it's not. It came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, and here's where we begin to go wrong. Listen to this. Then they said to one another, Let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar and they said, listen to this very closely, come and let us build who? Come let us build ourselves a city and not only a city but and a tower whose top is in the heavens and then look at the next part. Let us make for who? Ourselves a name let us make a name for ourselves lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Now, is there anything wrong with wanting to be secure? Absolutely not. Is there anything wrong necessarily? Did God not want them to have a big city? Hello, are you not going to live in a big city whenever you die? Hopefully, if you're going to live in one big city or the other. But you're going to have a big city one way or the other. God means for you to have a big city. It's not the city that's the problem. He means for you to have a name. Are you not going to have a new name when he's given you there? He means for you to have a name that makes demons tremble. He means for you to have a great name. He means for you to have a great city. The problem is this. He means for you to rely on him for it. But instead, we're taking the brick that we make we're taking the mortar that we make. We're taking the asphalt that we make. And we're making the city for ourselves. And we're making our name great. And we are making the, our towers that reach into the heavens lest we be scattered abroad so that we can be secure in this life. And it's all about I am self-sufficient. I don't need God. 
I'm, I got a good job, right? Got a good job, make, make pretty decent money. I pay my bills every week, got a pretty nice house. Man put some new rock down on my driveway last Saturday. <clears throat> Amen. Got things going pretty good right now. Ain't got it paved yet, Ronnie, but I'm working on it. If I keep working a job and I keep getting my 40 hours a week and I keep doing this and I keep doing that, I'm going to add on to my house and then I'm going to buy me a new diesel truck. Then I'm going to get me a big camper. Oh, yeah. I'm going to make my name great. I'm going to stretch my tower up into the heavens and I'm going to live in a big city. And God says, you can try that. But let me show you of all your work as rich as you could get, as big a city as you could build, as great a name as you could give for yourself. Let me show you, and it tickles me to see what God thinks about our greatest efforts. Look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. And you have, a, you have freedom to laugh in here this morning if you would like to. Listen to what it says. But the Lord came down to see the great city and the great tower which the sons of men had built. Think about that just a minute. What did that just say? Now, if I'm not mistaken, did they not make this great city for themselves? Could God not see it from where he was? I mean, they were one language, one accord. They had brick, mortar, asphalt. They didn't put rock down. No, they paved their driveways. Surely God can see the blacktop from where he's at. Surely this tower that reaches into the heavens, but God has to come down to see our greatest efforts. It ain't that God don't want you to excel. It's not that God don't want you to have a great city. It's not that God don't want you to have a great name, to have a tower that reaches to the heavens. He wants you to have a main line that connects to the heavens. It's not that God don't want you to be one language and one accord. The problem is as long as you're doing it for yourself and for your glory, you are completely away from the purpose that you were created for and there is no hope for you in yourself. So he comes down, he confuses the language and he has to stop our every effort of us trying to glorify ourselves. And he starts having to put problems in the way so that we realize that we are nothing. He starts having to throw disease and all types of evil our way. He starts having to let all kind of troubles and tribulation come our way because we have to understand that even our greatest efforts, if we were all in one accord, one language, and we done everything to the best of our ability, it still would only be good enough for God himself to have to come down and see it because he can't see it from where he's at. So he says, I am going to flip things around. I'm going to choose an example for these people to follow. Look what God does directly over in Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to skip one on you, Tim. Look what God does directly over in Genesis 12. Now remember, we're in Genesis 11 and everyone's depending on themselves, right? Everyone is doing and building and growing and using all their riches and their possessions for who? Us, for ourselves. But then look what God does. He says, I'm going to find a man that I can use to show my original purpose. I'm going to find a man and I'm going to turn him around. And I'm going to design him a path for him to walk that is going to show people exactly what I created them for. He said, I'm going to start restoring the purpose that I created you for. Genesis chapter 12 verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of Whose country? From whose family? 
and from whose father's house? To a land that what? Don't you know that Abraham was right up in the middle of all this too? Abraham was securing his life in Ur of the Chaldeans. Abraham had great possessions. Abraham had a great city. Abram had a great name. He was from a great family. Abram had all these things and he had worked 75 years to build this empire that he lived in of his family. And God comes down and says, Abram, I'm going to turn you around, but I need some things from you. If you're going to get where I need you to be, you got to get out of your country. You got to get out of your city. You've got to get out of your family. You've got to get out of your father's house. You've got to get out of you, and you've got to get into a land that I will show you. And then, look what he says next. And then I will make you a great nation. He says, Abram, I don't have a problem with you living in a big city. I don't have a problem with you having a great town that you live in. The problem is this. The one you're living in now is you. It's from you. You relied on it. You, you y'all built it. I want to take you to a land where you can rely on me, where you can reflect my glory, where everything that you have, you only have it because God gave it to me. He says, I'm going to make you a great nation. And then look at the next. I will bless you. Abraham was already blessed. He had a wife. He had many brothers. He, he had a father. He probably had, he had a nephew. So we know he had brothers and sisters. Abraham had great riches. He had everything. He was blessed. But he says, listen, Abraham. You and your futile efforts are the one that has been working for all this stuff. And I don't have a problem with you having it. But I need you to get into a place to where I can bless you. Because all of the blessings you think you have that you work so hard for, they're nothing compared to what I have in store for you if you'll just follow the purpose that I designed you to do. He says, I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. He said, I don't mind you having a great name. The problem is... I don't want it because you built it. I want it because I gave it to you. I want you to have a name that you got because people saw what I did in your life, not what you did. I don't care that Nick King worked on big dozers all his life. He may have got a diesel mechanic name because of what he does, but he needs to have a name from God because of what God has done in his life not just because of what he has done. So God says, listen, get up out of everything you know. Get up out of this thing and go to a land that I'm going to show you and that's where we're going to flip this thing around. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you a great nation. And then look at verse 3. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Do you hear what he's saying right here? He said, when I bless you, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. In other words, I'm going to multiply my image by my blessing that I give to you. If you take the blessing and the grace that I so gracefully bestow upon you and you use it for my glory, 
then my image will be multiplied in this world and you will be back in the purpose that I designed for you to be. Am I making sense this morning? Just stay with me because we're going to get there. Basically, this was Abram's call to discipleship. Now granted, I'll prove to you that God did not have a problem with Abram's possessions. It was what he used them for. And listen to me, I'm getting to your money this morning. I'm getting to your time. I'm getting to your houses. I'm getting to your cars. I'm getting into all of the worldly things that God has blessed you with. So perk up. You may be mad at me before we leave, but that's okay. Listen closely. So Abram, in verse 4, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. God called Abram to discipleship, right? He called Abram to follow his path by faith, to trust in God, to quit relying on his resources, on his things. And he says, follow me and I'm going to do this for you. And then in verse 5, Then Abram took Sarah, his wife. Look there, he didn't even have to leave his wife behind. Jesus don't mean for you to leave yours behind either. Then Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son. He even got to take some of his family with him, Nick. God didn't have a problem with that. And not only that, but look what it says next. What else did Abram get to take with him? (laughs) God is not trying to tell you that when you come to him that you have to sell everything you own and that you have to give it all to the poor and then you have to not have anything. God don't have a problem with your possessions. Yes, Jesus did tell one person in the Bible, go and sell all that you have, give to the poor, then you will have treasure in heaven. But you have to understand what Jesus was talking about. Jesus knew that this man's money was his God. And because of that, he knew that the way I'm going to get him to me is he's got to quit trusting in all of this. And the best way for him to do it, just go on and get rid of it. Get rid of it and then you'll be in line with me. Abraham took all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired, even all the the servants and everything that they had. They took it all with them, and God means for you to do the same. Listen, we first get into our call to discipleship. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Luke, chapter 6. This is working toward the end of my message. Luke, chapter 6 beginning in verse 20. We've been given the same call that Abraham was given. The only difference is we're not called through Abraham anymore. We're called through the example of Christ. So now, instead of following in the footsteps of Abraham and his path, we follow in the footsteps of Christ and his path. path. It's still by faith. It's still by fully relying and fully trusting on God, but it's through Christ. Look at Luke chapter 6. Let's read verse 20 through 26. Then he lifted up his eyes toward his disciples and said... Before I go any further, I want to explain to you what's going on. Jesus has been on top of a mountain praying all night long. He's been praying about choosing disciples or people who will follow after him. He comes down off of the mountain and he has a number of disciples that are around him. Many were called, but he only chose 12. When he chose these 12, 
He then turns to his disciples in verse 20. He turns to those that are now going to follow him and he begins to explain to them the call to discipleship. The first thing he says is this. Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. He says, listen. First thing you need to know is this. In this call to discipleship, it will require some sacrifice. Just like I told to Abram years beforehand, you've got to get out of your country, your father's house, your life, your, all the things that you know, you've got to get out of that and you've got to get into everything that I'm going to make you. Well, in the same manner he says to his disciples, Blessed are you who are poor, for you shall inherit the kingdom of God. He's not telling them that every poor person goes to heaven. How many of you know that there's going to be a whole lot of poor people burning in hell? Going to be a whole lot of them. Going to be a whole lot of rich people burning in hell. Whether you are rich or poor here on this earth will not determine whether you spend eternity in heaven or hell. So we can eliminate that Jesus is not talking about every poor person is going to heaven. What we can see is that Jesus is telling them, what did, what, what did he say to old Peter whenever he, whenever he called him? Anybody remember? Drop your nets and follow me. He said, Peter, you've got to get out of your security. You've got to get out of the things that you live for you, and you've got to follow me. So here he says to him, blessed are you who don't put your treasure who don't put your security and your worldly life into the things of this world. For if you will sacrifice those things now and put your security and your treasure in me, then you shall inherit the kingdom of God. He said there is great reward for following him, but don't be mistaken, there is great cost for following Jesus as well. You no longer live for yourself, but where used to you work to build your house, guess what you work for now? To give to him who has need. Now you're working for the purpose of not building up yourself, not securing yourself anymore. But he says, listen, if you will not put your treasure and your confidence and your desires in all of these things, but you will put your treasure, your confidence, and your desire, if you will go back to the original purpose, listen to me closely, of taking the grace and blessing of God that He has given us and using that to display the image of His glory. And the way we do that is by giving to those who are in need. How many of you know that's a quality of God? By giving to those who are in need. By loving those who don't love you. By being kind to those who are not kind to you. By doing all of these acts of mercy and kindness with the possessions and things that God has given you. Blessed are you who are poor for you shall inherit the kingdom of God. But let's parallel that over to verse 24. Look at Luke 6 verse 24. But woe to you who are what? For you have received your consolation. Listen to what he's saying right here. He says there's two types of labor. You can labor for me and you can put all of your possessions and all of your trust into me and you can work for me. Or you can be rich here and that don't mean you had a lot of money. That means that basically you live for you. You bought what you wanted. 
You did what you wanted to do. You built, you planted. Anybody ever read the, uh, the, the Luke chapter 17 where Jesus was talking about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah? Jesus named some things in Luke chapter 17 about why Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. He said they built, they planted, they married, they were given in marriage, they ate, they drank. Does any of that sound evil in itself? Don't we all do the same things? The reason why they were destroyed was because all of those good things were all about them and nothing about God. When you read Luke chapter 17, you'll notice that Jesus never even mentions a gross sin of any kind. He never even mentions sexual immorality. He never even mentions homosexuals are the, uh, uh, are the reason why Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. But ain't that what we ain't that what we've come to know? Yes, it had something to do with it, but the reason it was destroyed because even all of the good things in Sodom and Gomorrah were godless. The ordinary life. And me and you are the same way. We go around, we live in our ordinary life and we do everything for us and we have no idea that we're being rich down here while we're letting God's glory be displayed not in us, but we let our glory be displayed in us and everything we are. And he says, be careful, woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. If you're not willing to come out of you, there, you know, Jesus got some tough sayings, ain't he? He does. Boy, he does. Uh, can you imagine all them disciples that followed Jesus, looked at him and said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you had no part of me. The Bible said that all of them left but the 12. That's all that was left. And Jesus, he had so many tough sayings. He told one guy, the guy said, I want to follow you, but I got to bury my father first. You know what Jesus said to him? Let the dead bury the dead. If you ain't willing to follow me right now, you ain't worthy of me. Somebody say, oh, Jesus needs to get one of them discipleship books where he can learn how to figure out how to get more people to come to him. No, I think he knows very well how to get people to come to him, and that's plainly count the cost. There is a cost to being a disciple. The question is, are you willing to give what it takes? Are you willing to give up everything you are to follow him, or do you want to be rich down here? And I'm not talking about having a bunch of money. I'm talking about living for you. And receiving your consolation while you're here. Let's go just a little bit quicker. I'm going to look at a few more things. Verse 21. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. He's not saying that everybody who's hungry, that everybody who goes without food is going to be filled. He's saying, blessed are you who did not fill up your life with all your fleshly desires, but instead you denied yourself and became hungry because you don't have your prize yet. Blessed are you who are hungry while you're here because you shall be filled. There is going to be great reward for you, but right now you're going to hunger. Right now it's going to be tough. He says, blessed are you who weep now for you're going to laugh. He's not saying that everybody who cries in this life is going to be in heaven laughing. No, some of us that cry here are going to cry in hell too. That's right. You're going to weep and mourn. But he says, blessed are you who cry now because you're living for me and because there's going to be suffering, there's going to be tribulation, there's going to be pain. You don't receive much comfort right here other than what God gives you while you're here. If you'll do that for my name's sake, I promise you one thing. There's going to be reward of eternal laughter when that time comes for you to receive your reward. He goes on, he says, 
Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you, when they revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven. Great reward does not come without great labor. The question that I'm going to pose is very simple, and I'm fixing to stop right there because you know what? I've got my message across, and you don't even need any of this right here. The question I would have for you this morning is this. When you look at your life, are you taking all the areas that God has given his grace in your life, that he has blessed you in your life, are you taking all of those areas and going back to your original purpose of using those things to display the glory of God? Let me give you an example of how that's done. Look at Luke chapter 6 verse 27. Luke chapter 6 verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Boy, that don't make no sense to us, does it? That's completely contrary to the purpose we, li we live because... When, if we're living for us, then if we have an enemy, we ain't loving him, are we? No, we're ready to go to war with him is what we are. But God says, that's not who I am. He says, no, I want you to live for my purpose. I want you to display my mercy. I want you, you were created to be all of my attributes. You were created to show mercy, love, kindness, gentleness. So if you're going to get back to your purpose, then you're going to have to love your enemies. But not only that, you're going to have to do good to those who hate you. You're going to have to do good when people hate your guts. You do good to them. And if you're willing to do this labor, there's great reward for it. If you're not willing to do for it, well, you get a reward too. He says, bless those who curse you. Bless those who curse you And pray for those who spitefully use you Look at verse 29 To him who strikes you on the one cheek Offer the other also And from him who takes away your cloak Do not withhold your tunic either Give to everyone who asks of you And from him who takes away your goods Do not ask them back and just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Think about what God's saying here. He's saying, if on this earth you ain't doing no weeping, no crying, you ain't, you're rich, you're filled up to all your desires, you're making a great name for yourself, you're living for your own glory. He says, listen, what credit is it to you if all you do is love those who love you? What reward do you think you're going to have? Let me tell you, none. He goes on to the next part. He says, what, what credit is it to you if, you if you love these? But then he says, verse 33, and if you do good to those who do good to you, what reward do you have there? None. For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what reward is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good, and lend. Hope for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore be what? Merciful, just as your Father is also merciful. Now back 
Think about what this just said and think about what I said your original purpose was. Take all the things of God, all the blessing, all the possessions, all the things that he's given you. Don't use them for your security and your life anymore, but instead now use them for the glory of God to display his glory by acts of mercy, kindness, genuineness, just to give to those who ask, just to bless to those who curse, just to do good to those who hate you. And if you will do those things, then your reward is great. But if you're not willing to do that, that's your call. You have no reward. This is what it means to follow Jesus. This is what it means to be a Christian. It don't mean you came up here and prayed a prayer. <laughs> There's a whole lot of people praying prayers that's going to be in hell praying too. There's a whole lot of people that say, Jesus, I called you my Lord, and he's going to say, I never knew you. Who, who are you? He said, the ones that knew me were the ones that did what I said. They're the ones that went back to the original purpose that God designed us for. They used all the things that God had blessed them with to be fruitful and multiply his image throughout all the world. I told them in Sunday school this morning, I was reading a book and I'm still reading it. By the way, I highly recommend everyone in here to get this book. It's called Radical by David Platt. If you don't like it, you got a heart problem. I promise you, this, this book will change your life. It will, change, it will open your eyes to so many things. He said in his book that he was on his way home from a mission trip in Sudan. He had been over to help refugees that were in famine over there, Christian refugees. On his way back, he had a newspaper that he was reading from his hometown. And in this newspaper on the front page, on the left side it said, First Baptist Church, it was the church that he pastored. First Baptist Church celebrates new $23 million sanctuary. That's all right, ain't it? I mean, God means for you to have a great city, right? He means to bless you. He means to do all these things. But then on the same page, on the right side, there was an article right next to it that said, First Baptist Church raises $5,000 to send to refugees in Sudan. $23 million sanctuary. $5,000 we raised to send the refugees in, in Sudan. We can come up with $23 million to build a sanctuary. And we send $5,000 to help hungry people in Sudan. Is there something wrong with that picture or is that just me? Wells Baptist Church, we're working to get rid of this debt. And we are driving, I, well, I say we, God is driving that thing down quick. And you know, I just realized a few nights ago that I have been very negligent to actually pray for that. I have actually just been sitting back thinking, well, when the offerings come in, we'll pay on it. Never thought to my, uh, never thought to my little feeble mind that God is the one that's going to do this. He is the one that is going to receive the glory for all this and that's exactly the way he means for it to be. He don't mean to me, for me to rely on the offering to pay for the note. He means for me to rely on him to pay the note. And then when the note is paid, Wells Baptist Church is going to be a mission church. 
if I have anything to do with it, Wells Baptist Church is going to be a mission-minded church. First in the community of Wales, and then to go unto all the ends of the world. And I'm talking about it ain't going to be a million spent on a facility and 5,000 spent on a mission trip. If anything, it'll be 5,000 maybe on a parking lot one day. Some people say, boy, we need that parking lot paved. I agree with you. Sure do. I ain't really worried about if it gets paved or not. If the weeds bother when you pull up, put on some sunglasses that are real dark, maybe you can't see them as good. We're going to use the grace and the blessings that God is giving us and we're going to display his glory for all the world to see. Because I'm not looking to be consoled by the riches of this world. I'm looking for my reward which is in heaven and I promise you right now it will not come unless you have changed your life by following Christ in faith to use all the blessing of God that he's given you to then turn and use it to display the glory of God through acts of mercy, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, doing good to those who hate you, blessing those who curse you. I got just a few questions I wrote down that I'm going to ask for an invitation this morning. This is my invitation. Ask yourself this question right now. Everybody ask yourself this. As a Christian... How is my life displaying God's glory to the world? That is your purpose, right? We have established that this morning. As a Christian, how is my life displaying God's glory to the world? Do I show acts of kindness? Do I give to those who ask? Do I, do I feed the hungry? Do I clothe the, the needy? Do I give to the poor? What am, what am I doing not for me, not so I receive glory, but for the glory of God, what am I doing in my life to display the glory of God? If you can't answer that, I want you to look at where you are in your life. Maybe God's placed you in a job where you can display God's glory just by being kind to those who hate you. Panky, you got anybody that dislikes you in Sargami? Got a few? Got a few of them in there? Probably could be a little kind to them, couldn't you? What about it, Matt? You got anybody that, that, that maybe you could show a little good fortune to in your job? Tina, you know anybody in Huntsville that might need to see God's love shown from your heart? Every single one of you can examine yourself and where you're at. I'm not just talking about your money. Absolutely your money too. But I'm talking about your everyday life. Ask yourself a question. In my life right now, how am I affecting the world with God's glory? Am I building a city and a name for myself? Or do I use God's blessing to display His glory? That's a good question, ain't it? What am I doing? Is my life displaying God's glory at all? Is anything that I'm doing about the glory of God? Or am I living for me? Are there areas in my life that God doesn't have full control? Because listen, he's not just talking about one area in your life. He's not just talking about your finances. He's talking about in every faucet of your life that anything pours out of, how is your life displaying his glory for all to see? And you say, well, it's too hard for me. I'm not going to do it. That's your choice. Absolutely. Don't do it. You don't have to. Just keep in mind you will have your reward for being consoled by not having to do it down here. That'll be your reward.
Examine yourself this morning. I want Brenda if you'd come to play us something for an invitation. If y'all would stand. I don't know how this uh, message spoke to you this morning or if it did speak to you. I know there are many areas in my life that I got to do a lot of changing in. And I just pray the Lord's help that he'll show me exactly what I need to do to change it. But you examine your life right now. Ask God how you can be more of an influence in the world to display his glory in your life. For that is your purpose in Christ Jesus. As we sing.